Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. The role of friendship in movies is underrated. The big, heavy relationships get most of the attention. Enemies, family, romance. Particularly romance. Isn't the whole point of movies meant to be boy meets girl? But while many plots are certainly driven by the love of one glamorous movie star for another one, how much do we really care? I mean, we know where it's heading, don't we? Their names are above the title. They're certainly dominating the poster. They fell in love, didn't they? Yes, they did. You want to dance with me? Sure. This is a good story. I think I've heard it before. It's like a dream. Sometimes the most enjoyable scenes are the ones between the hot and heavy romantic moments. The ones that don't really matter. They're just people goofing about with their friends. Indeed, some of the most successful franchises ever made are based on that. From the Avengers to the Three Musketeers. Five of them, three of us. Hardly think fair. I wish you gave a chance to surrender. Excuse me, but there's four of us. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Hello. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. Now, we're prepared to resist you. It's a much maligned role, the best friend. They're less glamorous than the stars. They're certainly not as lucky with the opposite sex. They're either long-married, glumly urging their fancy-free friend to follow the same path, or they're comic relief with... No real purpose except now and again to draw attention to their illustrious mate with the thankless line, what a guy. What's your name, friend? John Little. What's yours? Robin. Not Robin of Loxley. Why? Then I'm right glad I fell in with you. It was he who did the falling in. Now, don't underestimate the importance of the what-a-guy role. It's always been the job of the little Johns of this world to boost Robin Hood's heroism. How else do we know who the star of the movie is? And the same goes for all those noble heroines. Would we care so much about Pride and Prejudice's Lizzie Bennet, for instance, if the mousy Charlotte Lucas hadn't put in all that initial spade work? What on earth have you done to poor Mr Darcy? I have no idea. I do not have the talent of conversing easily with people I have never met before. Perhaps you should practice. May I have the next dance, Miss Elizabeth? It would be most inconvenient since I've sworn to loathe him for all eternity. You may. <gasps> Recently, friends have been put in the shade by the idea of family, notably in the Fast and Furious franchise. The idea is these people become so intensely connected, it's as if they were blood relatives. Like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now. I don't have friends. I got family. But sometimes you don't need that much intensity. After all, you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. Sometimes all you want is the casual appeal of people sharing experiences, getting in and out of trouble together without it mattering that much. Boys and their bachelor parties, it's gross. It is gross. I just wish your friends were as mature as you. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Aging Dr. Douchebag! 
Over the years, the gang of friends has become a genre in itself, for some reason often connected with one of the group getting married and therefore presumably seceding from the group. That's why they all have to go somewhere exotic, often Las Vegas, for a final blowout in films like The Hangover, Last Vegas and Bridesmaids. I'm thinking tanned gentlemen that swallow fire and wear sarongs. Female Fight Club. We grease up. Surprise! Beat the crap out of her. I don't hate it. Vegas it is. Time was when the perfect number for long-time friends was three. Three musketeers, three amigos, three men and a baby. But recently, I blame Sex and the City, the magic number has gone up to four, especially when it's feisty older women cutting loose. Suddenly, there's a whole heap of these films, often starring Jane Fonda or Diane Keaton. We're best friends for 50 years. And you? Married. Marriage. My solo act is finally coming to a close. You're the bravest person I know. The only question is how will we mess this all up? I can't wait to find out. After appearing together in Book Club, they split up into the recent 80 for Brady, Jane, and the upcoming Maybe I Do, Diane. Well, it's admirable that so many of these legacy movie stars are still so busy. And after so many strong, demanding roles, I don't think anyone begrudges them a few that allow them to take it easy. Let's go to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is no place for four old women. This could be Tom's last one. He's almost 40. That's like 80 in people years. Yeah, we're 80 in people years. Pity about the poor audiences, of course, but that's hardly Jane and Diane's problem. They're back together in Book Club 2, by the way, cleverly subtitled The Next Chapter. And while there's absolutely no justification for a sequel, apart from money, there wasn't much reason for the first one either, apart from money. But another film about friendship has rather more noble intentions. A Belgian film called Close has been nominated for awards all over the world, including the Oscars this year. It's about friendship at its most intense, two 13-year-old boys' first year at high school. But first, a film from a filmmaker with more friends than most, Texas indie hero Robert Rodriguez. Why else would star Ben Affleck take such a big drop in salary to be in the film Hypnotic? Robert Rodriguez is famous in the American movie business for doing things his way. He keeps his budgets down by doing much of the work himself. He writes, he directs, he produces, he does his own camera work and editing. He even owns his own studio in Austin, Texas, complete with elaborate backlot sets. All that cool independence means some big names want to work with him. Work? Think I'm ready for duty. Do you feel ready? I think it's the only thing keeping me sane. Ben Affleck is just the latest of a long line of Rodriguez buddies over the years, ranging from Quentin Tarantino and Antonio Banderas to George Clooney and Johnny Depp. I guess they're hoping some of that Texas cool rubs off on them. I can't believe they're doing it on the strength of scripts like Hypnotic. What do you see? Your daughter? 
the park? Wasn't paying attention. Just for a second. At the start of Hypnotic, we meet burnt-out cop Danny Rourke, Ben Affleck, who's in therapy after the tragic, mysterious death of his young daughter. Her murderer had no memory of the crime. But Danny hopes that getting back to work will help him get over this. I'm calling to report a bank robbery. Is this crime currently in progress? Today. See that guy on the bench? Do you have a lighter? That guy's up to something. It's very hot today. It's like a furnace. The cops get a tip-off that a downtown bank is about to be robbed. And Danny spots how a mysterious chap loiters around the front entrance of the bank, whispering to certain random people. You know, like he's hypnotising them or something. It's like a furnace. There's a safe deposit box. Is that the target? Box 23. That's it's been ages since I've seen such an old-fashioned B-movie set up like this. A criminal mastermind seems to be getting ordinary people to do his dirty work for him. Well, call it nostalgia, but I found myself going with Hypnotic for a while. Certainly more than I usually do with Rodriguez's Grindhouse movies. Hands up! But I'm the wrong man. Where is she? Our hero Danny is shocked when supervillain Del Rain gets away with the mysterious contents of the bank's safe deposit box. But at least now he has a clue. The original tip was given by someone called Diane. So Danny goes calling. I know you called the tip in on the bank heist. Who the hell are you? What makes total strangers pull off an elaborate bank heist? Are you familiar with the concept of hypnotics? Hypnotics? Diane is played by Brazilian star Alice Braga, and she soon finds herself trapped in a bog-standard Robert Rodriguez role, looking sexy while delivering increasingly ludicrous exposition. It's her job to explain to Danny that the crime is committed by a so-called hypnotic. Hypnotics have the ability to influence the brain, sound, voice, and light, locking eyes. Hypnotics use them to make you see a version of the world that doesn't exist. In neo-noir thrillers, the temptation is always to favour intricate plots over strong character. And that's pretty much what happens here. If Rodriguez had simply stayed with our hero chasing the villainous Del Rain, falling for the enigmatic Diane along the way, all might have been OK. Like telepathy? Telepaths just read the mind. Hypnotics reshape its reality. The guy at the bank. You said he spoke four words to a woman in shin dressed. Because she was in on it. No. Those were cues. But Rodriguez wanted to make something less pedestrian. What is this, a 1960 Roger Corman movie or something? So he starts to add increasingly complex twists and turns, like a low-rent Christopher Nolan film. How is it that you know so much about these hypnotics? Because I am one. Half an hour in, the first reaction sets in. What the hell? To be replaced shortly afterwards with, oh, for heaven's sake. The plot switches and reverses, and then suddenly... Well, frankly, you don't need to know what happens next. I have to know everything. Why me? Why my daughter? You know what you're dealing with. 
The frustrating thing about Rodriguez's films, from El Mariachi and from Dusk to Dawn to the ultra-violent Sin City, is he's technically very gifted, particularly when you consider how low he keeps his budgets. His camera work, his editing, the music, even the acting are usually pretty sharp, I suppose. But it's all in the service of something stupid. Stop. I said stop where you are. Stop! People like to describe Rodriguez's films as rock and roll, but it's the worst sort of rock and roll. The ones with flashy, endless solos, songs with no hooks, rock stars with no charm, sound and fury, and not much else. Even people who think they like this sort of thing are going to find themselves checking their watches long before Hypnotic is over. You're getting sleepy. So sleepy. Hypnotics make everything that you see and do feel perfectly normal. There's been a late run of quiet little art films in our cinemas, often from last year's international film festivals. The most recent, Close, is a film from Belgium that picked up the Grand Prix at Cannes last year and then was nominated for an Oscar for Best International Film. It opens on two 13-year-old boys, Remy and Leo, playing happily out in the countryside. They're not just friends, they're best friends. They're inseparable this year. In fact, Leo hangs out more with Remy's family than he does with his own. And this is their last day of freedom before they start high school. Well, they flop on the grass with Remy's bohemian mother between them and wonder what the year will offer. Ouvrez les fenêtres, les garçons. Remy is quiet and artistic. He actually plays oboe in a children's orchestra. Hyperactive Leo has no idea what he wants yet. Perhaps he can manage Remy's career as a world-famous freelance oboe player travelling the world. Jenny. Je vais devenir ton manager. Et on va aller partout dans le monde, même sur la lune. Et on va devenir super riche. Their first day at high school is made easier by the fact they're in the same class. And their easy, intimate friendship is noticed by their classmates. And finally, someone asks the question, Are you two together? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Hello, iedereen. Uh, welcome in the middle bar. Est-ce que je peux poser une question Est-ce que vous êtes ensemble Non, on n'est pas en couple. Je pense que c'est meilleur ami plus plus. Oui, on est plus plus, mais genre même quasiment frère. C'est pas. Peut-être que vous assumez pas. And at this moment, everything changes for Leo. At any rate, he's a boy who's always keen to be part of the group as well as Remy's mate. And for the first time, he starts to think how other people may see their friendship. Is it just friendship Alors, t'es dans la même classe que Remy 
were described baldly like this. The film Close seems more brutal than obvious, I won't say woke, than it is. It's essentially a film about friendship rather than the usual coming-of-age story. It's that moment before you realise you have to come of age, when the most important and least complicated relationship you have in life is with your best friend, before you care what anyone else thinks of it. En vrai, c'est beau. Tout prêt. <rire> c'est horrible. Oui, je suis désolée. Je dois critiquer. And Remy doesn't care what the football boys think. He's happier hanging out with the girls anyway. But for Leo, the opinion of the cool crowd is suddenly hugely important. He joins the boys' ice hockey team and starts to spend less time with Remy. Hurt and bewildered, Remy can't understand what's happening with Leo, why he's distancing himself from his best friend. Leo tells him nothing's changed, he's just busy, he's got new interests. But when Remy comes along to watch Leo practice with the team, Leo snubs him. Well, the marvellous thing about Close is how carefully writer-director Lucas Daunt tells his simple, at times heartbreaking, story. Daunt made his name with Girl, the story of a trans girl's dream of becoming a ballet dancer. Close taps into his own childhood memories, and the performances he gets from the two boys are, at times, uncannily accurate. Harry? Remy? It's a story that distills friendship to its purest form and then shows what happens when outside forces intrude on it. When things change drastically halfway through close, there are two equal and opposite forces at work, the desire to move on, to grow up, and the overpowering wish to go back to how it was before. The intensity of a certain type of childhood emotion is what's captured in Close, when feelings are so intense because the people experiencing them are so incapable of verbalising it. And the bittersweet feeling you get after watching the film is that you'll never repeat the power of its two child stars, Eden Dombrin and Gustave Duella. Two years on, they're almost grown up now. They're clearly enjoying all the award shows, but the brilliant performances that took them there are now in the increasingly distant past. A week ago saw a Hollywood four-hander featuring veteran women stars, 80 for Brady. Now, hot on its heels comes the very similar Book Club 2, the sequel to a 2018 romantic comedy that Wild Horses notably failed to drag me along to see. 
We are four smart, successful women. I don't need a man. What is the point? Who still has any interest? Ladies, I am not going to let us become those people who stop living before they stop living. Jane Fonda is the frisky one. Candace Bergen is the grumpy one. Mary Steenburgen is the long-time married one. And Diane Keaton is the recently widowed one. They're members of a book club that gets a shake-up when Jane brings in, wait for it, Fifty Shades of Grey. I think that might have been what decided me to give it a miss. I would like to introduce you to Christian Grey. Oh, no. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. From what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, five years later, I'm not so lucky, so I did the bare minimum of research, which turned out to be all I needed to do. At the end of the first book club, Jane gets Don Johnson, Diane gets Andy Garcia... Mary stays married to Craig T. Nelson, and Candace, well, I don't know what happens to her. He's gone by the second film. Life is like a really great novel. You never know what the next chapter will bring. Hello! Hello. One question, what's going on with the gloves? I'll show you what's next. Oh, my God. You're engaged? I know what you're asking. All these strong, successful and famous women and they're still being defined by who they're with? Yes, they are. And the sequel leans into that by getting Jane engaged and therefore in need of a hen night. I'm sorry, a bachelorette party. To Viv and Arthur. Oh, oh, thank you. I think we should all go to Italy. Italy? Whoa. We'll make it Viv's bachelorette. A bachelorette trip? What are we doing? I think it's very romantic. But it's also nuts. (laughs) Well, the good news for me is they're going to Italy, to Rome, Venice and Florence, no less. And while the book club only seems to be interested in wine and food, there's enough art and beautiful vistas behind them to keep the rest of us awake. Is a great walking city. What did he say? The older the vines, the sweeter the fruit. Oh, yes, we still got it. Now, in case you missed it, the first book club provided most of the stars with their happy endings, so that doesn't leave much room for a sequel. There are some half-hearted attempts to get each of them into trouble, meaning tempting alternatives to the rather boring chaps waiting for them at home. I'm delighted that you'll be joining us tonight. There's no problem if four random women show up. This is Italy. There's always room for random, beautiful women. Gianni! Who is Gianni? What are you doing here? This is my cooking school. Wow. (laughs) Uh, I'm here to start the animal's bush. I think somebody's bush is already quite amused. However, knowing their target audience, at least the audience I saw this with, Book Club 2 makes sure it stays on the respectable side of temptation. With one exception. As the lone solo voyager, Candace Bergen is given licence to cavort with both a chap she meets in a bar, as well as Italian star Giancarlo Giannini playing the exasperated police chief. It's too bridal. It's not bridal enough. Gorgeous! Someone else next. Don't move. What are you doing? That would be me. Now, it's customary when reviewing movies like this to throw one's hands in the air and wonder why actors of this stature, 13 Oscar nominations between them and four wins, in fact, should stoop to making something like Book Club 2, the next chapter. But I understand completely. 
This is a bachelorette party. You know what that means? We go see naked men. What's the protocol here? Where do I stuff the dollar bills? It's nice to be wanted after all, and Jane, Candace, Mary and Diane obviously enjoyed working with each other. Add to this a free trip round some of the most picturesque parts of one of the most captivating countries in Europe, and who'd say no, even if you do have to say stuff like this. Hello, you've reached the home of the retired and gifted. Where are you? I'm in a church. What? Are you serious? We're looking for a venue for the wedding. You are going to get married in a church? I'm shocked you didn't burst into flames as you crossed the threshold. Because Jane has the most to do, it's a relative term you understand, but in this case it means endless soul-searching about whether she should get married, she comes out of book club two worst. The storyline is woeful and the dialogue is mostly a string of feeble gags. I love this city. I love anything that's falling apart more than I am. Mary Steenburgen comes out of the film best, apart from one scene with an accordion. Candace Bergen has to put up with the most demeaning dialogue, while Diane Keaton simply dials up Diane Keaton on her to-do list. How does a woman in her 70s end up getting married? She takes control of her own destiny. Incidentally, the book that gets mostly referenced in Book Club 2 is an Italian bestseller called The Alchemist, which is all about, I read, how important your dreams are and how you should follow them. I think I might put that on the Fifty Shades of Grey pile. Life is unpredictable. And it's the surprises that make it worth living. Excuse me, signora. Chef Johnny says if you would like, you should see his cucina. I'm sorry, see is cucina? It means kitchen. I bet it's big. Just don't do anything I would do. That's actually really good advice. On the plus side, there are lovely shots of Rome, Tuscany and a slap-up Italian banquet. On the minus side, well, let's just say it's not a patch on the many classic movies the Fab Four made their names with. Unless this bit is a callback to Jane Fonda's Oscar-winning turn as a hooker in Clute. Buonasera, signora. Wait a minute. A buff cop just happens to drive by. Okay. Show me your concealed weapon. I do think he missed his calling. Somehow, I doubt it. Book Club 2, the next chapter, shows no evidence that the scriptwriters have seen anything more demanding than National Lampoon's European vacation. But if you're expecting a room with a view, you've joined the wrong book club. And as we put this show back up on the shelf, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.